So is everybody ready to pick them to win every game? As That's always. Right. <laughs> I've got four games with with scores, but I haven't predicted the winner. <laughs> <laughs> CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Um, your long national nightmare is over. The best podcast of the year has arrived. Congratulations, you made it. Um, congratulations for downloading. I don't know. Uh, it is time to predict things, and we we get we we. This is like our Super Bowl um, when we get to to go through the the schedule and pick all the games and make complete fools of ourselves. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that we all sort of look forward to this. Um, I, I think in part because this means that football's like really here. Like when we get to this show, it's this is this is when the season really starts for me. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First in Fishville, the podcast, sorry, not podcast, message board um, moderator du jour, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Going great. Yeah, if this is our Super Bowl, I'm the Buffalo Bills. So wow. um, we got that going for us. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. Not everybody can be good at picking things in a row like me. <laughs> All right. Uh, up in Charlottesville, um, Editor-in-Chief Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? Uh, not bad. Honestly, I, just for pure curiosity, I wish we could go back and like review the like our records and see how we did. Oh, gosh. Um, of course, just, you. and also, like, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think the inclination is that I would have the best one, but I don't think that's necessarily true. And also, I think we'd all be kind of close because we're usually not too far off. Um, but yeah, I would just be curious to see like how far off all of us were. Um, I feel like as we've gotten, as we've gone through the years, and I guess it makes sense, we've been more accurate. Um, like the, the Mike London years, we were overrating that team every year. Am I right? Am I right? Well, I'm, I'm waiting for you to say your Twitter handle so I can move on with the podcast. Oh, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Oh, there it is. Okay. De- Cavs debunking Cor- all of the bad tweets. <laughs> Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, which will return soon. Um, the content items and the occasional witty banter, which may or may not return. We'll, guess we'll wait and see. Um, all right. So this is how we do this. We walk through the schedule. We all pick a winner and we talk a little bit about it. In the years past, we've done things like what's the headline and stuff. I'm not, I don't think we need to do um, like any kind of scripted thing like that. But um, if we want to um, sort of, I don't know, pull out something like that in the, in the midst, we feel free. Um, before we get going on that, do you guys have anything else we should talk about before uh, we start to pick these things? No? Nothing really comes to mind. Okay. Um, I guess I mean, if this is our Super Bowl, then the prop bets thing is like the Pro Bowl. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's all. It's like that. Yeah, that's true. The, uh, I mean, if this is our Super Bowl, maybe that's when we all plan to go to Pasadena. Um, yeah, there you go. And everything. Where it, uh, somebody pointed out too, the national championship is actually not in Pasadena. It's yeah. in Inglewood. 
Um, somebody let make sure somebody lets Tony know that when when we go to the national championship, oh my god, we actually we do we need to go to the right venue. That's important, and we do not need to overlook that because you know you can't you can't you can't uh, win a national championship if you're in the wrong city. All right, maybe the bus driver with the special hat um, will be able to tell him tell him where they're headed. All right, first game of the season, Ferber, you're up first. Virginia opens. I mean, that's not that's not new. We normally go you right. and Dave and the me, right? This is the way. This is the way we've been doing this for years. Um, what do you think? Just because you're like editor in chief now, you don't have to go first. No, I'm down to go first. I have everything okay. written down. All right. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine. Oh, actually, let's do that real quick. Let's um, let's let's talk about that. Um, what's your what's your system? Dave jokingly said earlier that he had four games and he's that he's scored four. But he's not sure who's going to win yet. Um, what? But realistically, what's everybody done so far? I Remember? literally just put the games down on a pad and just go through it like anybody would. Like, uh, But then I also try to, and this is where you get into trouble, and this is where I think, in fairness to all three of us, um, it's hard to take each pick at face value. So like when we go back through these every week when we get to the game, there's going to be some ones, for at least for me, that are a little weird because like I don't always pick the game based on like my just purely like brain. It's like, well, they're going to lose a game they shouldn't. Or, like, they just won three in a row, so, like, maybe they're going to lose. Or um, stuff like that. Like, I don't I don't just say, like, oh, UVA is better than this team, so I picked them to win, even though you could certainly do that. Dave, what about yeah. you? I I go through and do each, look at each game individually, and that's what I was texting you guys about. Like, there's not a game on the schedule where you say UVA has got no chance, so – yeah, and that's very rare, I feel like. There's always, like, there's usually, like, at least one game where you're like, well, things would really have to break in their favor, you know? Yeah, like, Clemson or Notre Dame, but um, obviously not on the schedule this year. So, yeah, so I went go through, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, Virginia's never gone 12-0, probably not going to do it this year. <laughs> Let me go back and see where the where the fuzz is. Um, yeah, it – you're like, do they wear the orange pants products. in the championship game, or do they do they keep them for the playoff? <laughs> Got championship um, riches written down after the last game. <laughs> yeah. So what's really interesting, Dave, is that I I asked that question in part because I thought it would be fun, but also I really wanted to set that up because one of the things I've been thinking about since you texted that, and I think this is going to uh, be a theme for me as we go through this evening, is that. If you if you can look at a schedule and not think that like there are any specific games that just seem like um, sure losses, right? This is like the opposite of going nil in spades, right? Like if you look at your hand and this is the these are the games you got, you need to have a good season, right? And I think that one of the things we have not talked a lot about, we've talked a little bit about expectations and, and that kind of stuff, right? But one thing we have not really discussed much is like realistically, like they this team should win eight games. Like they should absolutely like we did that over under that Matt did the other day. And as I was editing it, I was thinking to myself, like, there's just no reason for them not to win eight games. And if they don't, it's it's it just sounds ridiculous. Right. But with this schedule and given the talent that they have back, unless there's just a, you know, a series of unfortunate incidents, you know, that cause guys to be out, whatever, like this team should win eight games. And if they don't, that's 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 not a good season. And I think that the quality of the schedule really has changed, in my opinion, at least my point of view, um, sort of what success looks like for this team. Um, so anyway, Ferber, September the third, twelve thirty p.m. Scott Stadium, the Tony Elliott era begins against the University of Richmond. 
What say you? Yeah, hopefully it goes a little better than the last time I coached <laughs> his tenure against Richmond. Yeah, um, and I think it will. Um, I do think Richmond is like a they're they're a better FCS team, you know, as far as like how those normally go. Last year they played William and Mary, who was like on their backup quarterback, and so I don't think it's going to be like that. Um, I don't think they're going to lose or anything. I think there could be some un- uncomfortable moments in the first half, but I think UVA just has too much firepower on offense uh, for a team like Richmond to keep up. So I'd be winning 45 to 19 in a game that's close until almost halftime. And then UVA just drops them in the second half. <laughs> um, all right, Dave, on to you. Yeah. I mean, Richmond's got the VMI quarterback and uh, VMI's best receiver. Yeah. So they're going to throw and their the offensive ball. coordinator. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be, a lot more throwing than we're used to seeing when we play Richmond, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, if the defense is better, as we hope it is, then you know the pass rush can get to the quarterback and the, the coverage can stay sound. You know, Richmond could find and find itself in a place where it's hard to keep the game close. But and look, we've got so many changes, right? But the most important position in football is the quarterback, and we've got a pretty good one coming back. Um, you know, a guy who doesn't like to lose. So hard to see him, hard to see a redo of what we saw with Bronco against Richmond this year. So I've got Virginia winning pretty comfortably 38 to 17. Pretty different starting places for the two eras, I would say as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Although we didn't think the starting spot was that different when Bronco. No, had- we didn't think so at the time. Um, um, I don't think, yeah, I mean, we all picked was- them to go to a bowl that year. Like, um, and they did not. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> um, all right. So I've got Virginia winning this uh, 49 to 13. Listen, I, I, I this is no disrespect intended at the uh, at the spiders and all that fun stuff. I, I think Virginia's offense is going to be in a, in a better place in this game. I don't think the offensive line and the issues therein are going to be nearly as stark um, on contact in this game as they may have been if, you know, Virginia had opened it against somebody else. And certainly, um, you know, the opening the Mendenhall area. I, I, one of the things that the indelible memories I have of that game is that Richmond just, just threw us around, right? Just dude, just b- bodies there. You know what I mean? Like they were, they manhandled, especially in the trenches. And I just don't think that that's going to be the case. I also think that Richmond that, team is also very good. That Richmond, yeah, exactly. That Richmond they had team an NFL good. quarterback and much you know, receivers. I also think that, um, defensively, I could see Virginia kind of, getting people's attention here. If no, if for no other reason, again, no, no shade intended here at Richmond, but at, you know, in part because Richmond's probably not any, you know, that great. And I think Virginia's defense is going to kind of feast on it a little bit. So, all right. So a little more Mike London start to his career than Broncos yes, start to his yeah, career. Yeah. 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 So yeah that one did go coaches. well. That one went well. Yeah. yeah 34 to 13. Yeah. Um, all right. So for, let's go back to you. September the 10th, 4 o'clock p.m. on the East Coast. Um, ESPNU will televise Virginia at Illinois in Champaign. Whole lot of orange, whole lot of blue. Uh, how you see that one going down? Yeah, I don't I don't think I will see it going down because I'll be at a wedding. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll see it afterwards. Um, but I think this one's going to be kind of weird. Um, I think it would be easy to look at the result from last season and say – UVA should beat them easily. They shouldn't be really be that big of a deal, right? I mean, UVA beat them like 42 to 14 um, in a game that kind of got close a couple times, but 
UVA kind of kept them at arm's length and really scored very easily, especially early in the game. I mean, they had two touchdowns like the first four minutes. I think this one will be a lot tighter. Um, Illinois, they were pretty bad when they came to Charlottesville, but they ended up improving throughout the course of the season last year. They, they had that weird game that went to like a million overtimes where they beat Penn State, um, and they ended up five and seven. I think that they will be a better football team this year. I don't know if their record is going to be better. I, I just haven't looked at their schedule. Um, but I think, you know, they play week zero as well, so I don't know how that's going to affect things. But um, I think this will be a tight game. I could see UVA losing this game, to be honest with you, just because it's on the road, it's early, new schemes, all the other things that we've talked about throughout the offseason. Um, but I think UVA's got the better team. I think they find a way to get it done in a game that is close until the end. Um, I have UVA 28, Illinois 24. 28 24. 2-0. 2-0. All right, Dave. Yeah, remarkable. My my store's pretty close to that. Um, yeah, this was it's one of the four. I kind of put the score down and was gonna wait to figure out it's a win or loss. Like um, you, you know, Justin hit the big thing. You know, they finished the season pretty strong last year, beating Penn State, Northwestern, and Minnesota. Um they've added some talent to the roster. You yeah. Know, like- and, you know, it's a different – they should be more physical than they were last year. We know Billum is trying to build them that way. Um, that's kind of what hurt them last year when they got behind. Um, so if they can keep it close, that that's a team that can challenge UVA a lot, a lot more than we saw last year in Scott Stadium. Um, obviously, the kickoff time helps. At least we're not kicking off at, like, you know, <laughs> some bizarre time. Oh, dark 30. Yeah. Or 11 a.m. Eastern like last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With their desire to be physical, and obviously they're going to run the ball. It's a little concerning because I think when you look at when you've heard uh, Coach Elliott, Coach Rudd, it seems like they want to they want to rotate guys quite a bit on the on the defensive line um, to try to keep them fresh, kind of build that line for the stretch run. So there's going to be moments in this Illinois game where you've got guys who haven't played a lot, um, who we think are good, but we'll find out when the, when the bullets are flying. So after much, <laughs> much head scratching, I'm going to let Illinois win this very close game. I don't want to trust me. I don't want to, I want to pick Virginia to win it. But um, like I said, I can't have Virginia going 12 and 0. So I think just kind of the, the shock the change from Richmond, you know, first time playing a kind of physical opponent and kind of rotating some guys. I'm going to give Illinois the advantage and God, I don't want to, but 24 to 20, um, Illinois. So, you know, you guys know, I like to do narratives, right? But this is, this is the way I do this. All right. Here so we it, <laughs> here we go. Uh, that's a good title. Actually, I'm writing that down. Um, so, okay. In a world. No. All right. For, in my, in my view, the Richmond game is an easy one. Things work at work really well. Right. Um, not a whole lot of adversity. Ferber mentioned something that he thought like you know a little closer in the first half. I don't think it's. I don't think that one's close. They sort of coast the whole way. I, I think this game, they they at least see something a little bit different than that. I, I think to Dave's point about the physicality, that's a that was a big thing that was on my mind too. Um, but I think ultimately Virginia's got the offense to get it done. I, I think the running games are are where this thing kind of. This is the this is the game where. Some things don't go as well on both sides of the ball, but this is the game where you figure, oh, wow, maybe maybe we can run the ball a little bit. Um, I think Mike Hollins has a really nice afternoon. 
Um, I, I think Virginia is able to put up enough points. Defense is able to get a stop late. Give me the Cavaliers 27-20 on the road to move to 2-0. All right. Ferber, September the 17th, 2 o'clock p.m. in Charlottesville. ACC Network to televise. Virginia will host the Monarchs of Old Dominion. Um, I um, I don't even do. Did they replace their their offensive coordinator? Wasn't their offensive coordinator who decided to quit? Yeah, something like that. Um, it's not a. It's not a. In, you know, their head coach is a longtime offensive coordinator, though. So I mean, he could probably. Call I know, but I look, man, that's just not a good sign, right? You're you're one of your coordinators quits two three weeks before the season. That's just not. That's that's, that's two of UVA's first three coach teams they're playing that had a coach leave. That's true. Uh, Jeff Hansley decided. You season. know what? I'm 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 done. Um. All right. So how are you feeling about uh about this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think UVA wins the game. Um, I think this could be one that's, I think people, UVA fans, and it's not, again, I'm not picking on UVA fans. It's not UJ specific, but I think fans a lot of times look at the opponent and they're like, oh, that's not a power five team. Like, you know, we'll get to coastal later. Um, this should be a win, you know, comfortable win. I remember people like tailgating for that, uh, uh, what was it? Ball state. They came to Charlottesville like 10 years ago or whatever. And people were like, oh, they're going to roll ball state. Ball yeah, state won yeah, by exactly. like four touchdowns or something. Um, and I think it was like a pick em in Vegas. Um, I don't think this is going to be that dire, uh, but I think ODU, I mean, they're kind of, it seems like they're sort of headed in the right direction. Um, I'm interested to see how they do against Virginia tech in the opener. Um, I think UVA wins this one 35, 21, but I wouldn't be too surprised. Like the last time ODU came to Charlottesville, it was like oddly close until the end. Um, and then UVA needed like a pick six to kind of swing the game because it was just kind of ugly. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. ODU has kind of a tendency to hang around in these games, like at Tech, in, in Charlottesville, whatever. I think they'll kind of do that again, but I think UVA wins 35-21. Yeah. Right, Dave, what do in, you think? In my world, I've got Virginia coming off a, you know, a loss against Illinois and kind of refocusing here against an opponent. They've, they've got more, you know, obviously out talent. Um yeah, you know, I'm trying not to remember the last game where, you know, if it wasn't for that pick six, that's probably a loss for Virginia. Um, but, you know, different team, different year. And coming back from, you know, in my narrative, how they how they lost the game at Illinois, you know, I think at this point they're kind of figuring out the rotation a little better. Um, this is a get right before we go to the ACC game. So I've got Virginia winning 30 to 17. 30 to 17. All right, so in my world – I like how you stole the the narrative thing. Thanks. Um, so in my world, I, I think this is a game where Virginia kind of gets back right. Right. To me, Illinois is a game where you know it doesn't always go as e easily as, as they wanted it, but that you know they got out with a win. Maybe there's a few you know kind of exhales like, "Ooh, we probably shouldn't have been that close." Um, they're a little bit maybe even banged up because you know I do think Illinois is going to be a little, little tougher team than they were last year. I think the ODU game is where they get right. Um, I don't think it's a complete blowout, but I don't think it's all that close either. Um, I, I feel like this is the game where the defense shows us that they can get after the quarterback. I feel like this is the game where we really think that Virginia's running game is, is substantial. Um, we're, I think we're coming out of this game thinking we're, we're doing that thing what we sometimes do where like they're having success. We do this a lot with the basketball. They're having success, but it's not quite the success the way we thought it was going to go. So people are like, well, is Brendan not throwing it enough? Or is there, you know, is so-and-so not getting enough touches? Like, 
you know, one of the receivers or whatever. This this is just feels like that sort of game to me. Give me Virginia to win it. Uh, 37 to 17 is my score. So to recap at this point, three games in before the ACC slate begins. I've got Virginia 3-0. Ferber's got Virginia 3-0. Dave, for some reason, has Virginia at 2-1. All right. Friday, September the 23rd, under the lights at the whatever they call the Carrier Dome now, Dome. The Carrier um, Dome. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what right. we call it. <laughs> that's the only, the only dome we recognize. All right, 7 p.m., ESPN to televise it. Uh, we get, we get, we get a Some rematch. Great TV Dr. updates here from you. <laughs> you like that? I mean, look, man, if it's out there, might as well, might as well they're about to dry up after this game. Yeah, the they, they don't know anymore. For, yeah, that's right. For a little while, at least until we get to, uh, October. Georgia Tech, yeah. Um, all right. We get to, we get to play the, the, the fighting Dr. Bob's and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to go first on this one. Cause I just, I, there's just too many jokes here and I'm not going to leave them for anybody else to make. Cause I'm, I want to have fun with this. Listen to me. I, I, there's just something really poetic about getting a chance to play Dr. Bob and having a decent running game going. So in my narrative about this, like I think Virginia has a decent running game. I think they go to Syracuse and they run the ball pretty well. Um, I think that Brandon Armstrong puts on a little bit of a show too um, and makes Dr. Bob kind of sad that he never did get that interview for the head coaching job. Um, and then also too, I think that if you think about the advantages, you know, this sometimes happens, right? Where you have, you know, like we're, we're going to get to a game with North Carolina and, and we're going to talk a little bit about maybe about Noah Taylor, right? And he understands personnel, but he doesn't understand the scheme because the scheme is new, right? The guys on the defensive side of the ball for Virginia, they have, a lot of those dudes have faced what Dr. Bob does. And that's not to say that what he did at, at Virginia, he's going to do at Syracuse. But some of those concepts are going to be similar, and we know that there are already some overlaps in terms of you know some of the things Tony and, and Des want to do. Anyway, I I look at this game, and I I mean maybe I'm wrong. I think it's a molly whopping. Um, I, I think Doctor Bob has no idea what to do with a running game. I think this is the game where he just basically abandons it because he's too proud and he can't help himself, and they're going to start chucking the thing all over the yard, and it's going to be a just a just a bad bad evening. Um, at least for one team in orange. Um, well, I'm presuming one of them wears orange. Who knows these days? Anyway, uh, give me Virginia to win this thing, forty-four to seventeen. Um, I just think I just think it's going to be a bad afternoon for Doctor Bob and company. Uh, Ferber, what you got? UVA has orange jerseys. Well, yeah, but I mean, are they really going to wear them when they play no, at no, Syracuse? I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so I kind of I, I hear everything you just said. Um, I think that what you just described is a very possible scenario. Um, I think if knowing Anai the way that we do, having watched his teams play, he, he strikes me as like the classic overthinker. Um, he's always trying to do throw changeups, um, you know, like running the ball in third and eight, stuff like that. Um, throwing the ball to an offensive lineman with doesn't even need to be mentioned anymore. Um, so I could see him trying to break tendency too much against a team that he, you know, he knows the personnel, but he knows they're going to know his stuff too. So I could see, I could see him trying to break person or break his tendencies a lot, which usually doesn't work. Um, however, I will push back on the idea, at least maybe I'll be wrong. I think they are going to run the ball a lot this year. Um, they have a running quarterback. They have the best running back in the ACC, one of the best running backs in the country. I, I don't think he's dumb enough to just ignore that. Um, 
there might be situations where he gets away from that, but like he ran the ball a ton at BYU. What was Um, what his his third to last play call that you saw live? What was that play? I don't remember. His Uh second to last one was a throw to a lineman. No, no, but then they they got the ball back, right? No, that was it. No, they, they, they had another that's play right, okay. after that. So then the next – okay, so then the, yeah. penul, the penultimate play you've seen this man yes. call. All right? And you're talking to me like you don't think he's that – okay. You 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 feel free to build your house on that uh, that little that little bit of sand. Yeah, I, I think that – I think, like I said, I think he is a bit of an overthinker. I could see him trying to do some weird stuff. Honestly, if he doesn't throw the ball to the offensive lineman against UVA, especially if they're winning, like that's a it huge would be, mistake actually would for, be for, from an ego standpoint. I would, yeah. I would definitely do it if I was him. Um, it would also be hilarious if he tried it and it was like a pick six or something. Um, but anyway, uh, I think this game will be close, and I think it's going to – be one of the games where UVA's weaknesses going into the season are sort of exposed after a three and start. I think Tucker kind of cuts them up, um, runs the ball for a lot of yards, kind of like keeps them moving the chains, keeps the defense tired on the field. You know, Dr. Bob kind of likes to take his time and have long sustained drives. So I kind of think that's how it goes. I think they get after Brennan a little bit, their defense, it's sort of a bit of a – it's a mystery. I think it might be better than people think, um, but maybe not like elite. So we'll see. I think this could be a game where, you know, like you said, he tears it up in a dome. But I think UVA gets their first loss here, uh, 27-24, in a game that Syracuse kind of like dictates the tempo. And, and I kind of think that Dr. Bob gets the last laugh, at least for now, until he has to go get a different job in the offseason after they get, all get fired. So Dave's uh, – so far, the uh, triumvirate here is uh, very split on what happens in this game. Um, what, what, which side did you come down on? Um, look, to me, I think if Dr. Bob wasn't the uh, offensive coordinator, this we wouldn't be thinking about this game so much. I mean, you've got to play two opponents in the Atlantic. This is the worst one in the Atlantic. Um, you know, granted, it's on the road, but you know, if you're the team, I think Virginia is. Other than the Dr. Bob, Jason, you know, Jason Beck story, there's really not much there. Um, you know, Syracuse is a team that can run the ball. And, and I do think, you know, I think both of you are right. I think they're going to run it more. But, you know, when the, if Virginia can get a lead, that's when I wouldn't trust Bob. I will say. And I agree with that. Yeah. I will say, like, it's a little bit different, though. You know, Dr. Bob didn't have anyone to tell him no on the headset here. You know, he kind of ran that ship. That's true. Um, and I don't know that he's got that same authority where he is, um, but he also might not care. <laughs> so, so that's, <laughs> that's the play. Um, he's do, he's doing like a Colonel Jessup situation, like yeah. So I mean, in why some the ways, two Colonel, you know, why the two play calls? Yeah. In some ways, you know, the Illinois game really helps set Virginia up for this one because they're they're yeah. you know I think Syracuse has the better running back, maybe the better quarterback. I'd say it's a push or advantage Syracuse there. Um, but offensive line-wise, that's the advantage of Illinois. So, Virginia's going to have faced kind of a physical team already. Um, you know, again, I had them losing that game, so I think this is the game where they rebound. Um, Tony Elliott's, you know, infin- <laughs> intimately familiar with Syracuse, having played them every year for the last decade. Um, and I Just think, don't go know, look at what they did there last year. Don't well, they it. won. 17-14, <laughs> yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, they hung 70 on Syracuse quite frequently. So, it's uh, – but I think it's a game that will be interesting. That might Virginia will sweat at times, but I think ultimately um, Brennan kind of wanting to remind 
Dr. Bob and, and Jason, what he is, um, you know, he's a competitor as a fire guy. So I'll take Virginia winning that one, despite the short week and traveling and all that stuff. I've got him winning 38 to 27. 38 to 27. All right. So to recap, at this point, I've got Virginia 4 0. Ferber's at 3 1. Dave's at 3 1. Just different losses. All right. Sadly, no TV for this game. Well, I mean, I'm sure it'll be on TV somewhere, but no, we don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> we don't well. know that for sure yet. <laughs> it's fair. All right. Saturday, October the 1st, Virginia travels to Durham uh, to play. 1230 RSN. <laughs> you could pencil that thing in. Uh, to play Duke, um, Ferber, let's let's go let's go with you. How do you how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I mean, another road game, uh, a little bit of a longer week after the Friday game. Um, look, I mean, like I don't think I need to really draw this out too much longer. I, I think that Duke made a pretty good hire. Uh, it could work out for them. I mean, as far as Duke goes, I think it was a good hire. Um, he he got a good staff. They're doing a good job recruiting, but I don't think they're going to be anywhere near where they need to be this year. I just unless unless the dude can come in and work a miracle, they just don't have the guys. Um, and I don't think I mean I think by the time that Cutcliffe left, they were, you know, UVA had that run of wins against them, but Duke was competitive in a lot of those seasons, and UVA just got the better of them. Um, but by the end, they were not really competitive and were really struggling to score. And then when they stopped stopping people, that's when things got really ugly. Um, you know, I expect Elko to get them kind of like in a more competitive direction eventually, but I think this year they're just going to be like a two and 10, three and nine kind of team. I think UVA goes in there and wins this one pretty comfortably 38 to 20. 38 to 20. All right, Dave, what do you think? All I know is Virginia didn't allow them to score a point last year. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, they couldn't hold most teams to a point, you know, scoreless in a quarter. Um, and, you know, Elko, I think, uh, you know, I think he's done some. Some they had one game where the opponent had 21 points before the TV network cut to the broadcast of the game. Yeah, and Virginia <laughs> led that game at the half. And didn't yeah. They were tied at the half. yeah, I think they were winning. They went down 28 nothing in that game, right? I think it was 21, and then it got to like 35-7 or something crazy uh, like that. Um, I won't go back and look because something bad happened in that game. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, it's a little early. Um, you know, it's a road game at Duke. I think there will, you know, I think Duke's going to improve. They'll be a little more physical, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but they didn't bring a whole lot of horses in and, you know, the quarterback position it's unsettled. I'll let them score this year, but I don't think it's close. Um, I've got Virginia winning that one 40 to 14 and, you know, Jay Wilfuck seeing some extended time, hopefully in the second half. Give me that number again, Dave. My pen decided to die. 40 to 14. 40 to 14. So close. So close. All right. So, look, I, I don't think we need to to, to belabor this. I, I think Virginia's going to win this thing a walk. Um, I do think this is the first time, you know, all, even though, it, you know, I think in that Illinois game there's going to be parts of it that you're going to feel like, man, it was so easy last week what happened. Um, I, I think part this is the game where you have that, that's like our dude's kind of going to take it seriously because it I think it's going to jump off the, um, the thing pretty quick. Um, I don't think Duke's going to be – like this for long. I, I think they've recruited well initially. I think that that staff, I think is going to turn. I just don't think they can like to Ferber's point. I just don't think they can do it this year. Um, the thing that surprised me was that they didn't like, I feel like they didn't bring in a lot of big transfers and they definitely could have, I feel like, I mean, just given what they had, like the playing time was available. Um, 
maybe it's like they're just almost admitting i don't know you can't really admit defeat on college season. yeah you can't get a draft pick out of it but like yeah. it almost feels like they're like well we're just not going to be very good this year we'll pick it up from there well and i think you know it's one of those things it's like if you weren't able to sell in the in the in the transfer portal i i think whatever they whatever they figured out on the recruiting trail seems to be working on that front I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring in some some quality transfers next year. Yeah, I think next because, year they could take a big step forward. Yeah, and 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 I think they will. What's interesting is like it's weird to say this, but like to me, Duke feels like it's going to be the story next year because that's going to be the team next year that's going to be going to win some games. People are going to be like, "Wow, they only won three games last year, and now they're already they've already got five wins." Right? Like that's they're going to be that that's going to be a team I think that people are going to talk about next year. Um, this year I think it's going to be rough. Um, I, I think it's just going to be rough. So give me Virginia to win this thing, uh, 47 to 13. Um, I got Virginia scoring a lot of points so far. Um, but I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think this one's going to be relatively close. All right. right. So you've got UVA five and did they build the Tony Elliott statue between <laughs> this and Louisville or do they wait for the buy? Uh, I'm, I'm going to get to that. <laughs> I'm going to get to that. All right. Uh, Saturday, October the 8th, it's homecomings in, in Charlottesville. Uh, Louisville's coming to town, you know, you know, it's Virginia on my, my board. At least they're five and oh, hell if it, if they're four and one, like you both have predicted, I mean, they're still going to be, people are going to be extremely happy. That game is going to be not like sellout because it's just Louisville. Um, but are gonna be a lot of people at this game and that place is gonna have a lot of juice. Uh, Ferber, what do you think? I'm not going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be out of town. Um, you're having a rough fall this, so far. You missed one game because of a wedding. And now you're not going to be there. I mean, it's it's for good good reasons. It's not like I'm going to the dentist or something. So because you know um, that typically happens on Saturday afternoons. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, some say that playing Malik Cunningham is like going to the dentist. Wow. Um, and I think it's going to be like that for UVA in this game, though. I think UVA. I think it'll be a good game. Um, but I think this is another game where it's like, hey, they've made some improvements on the defense, but maybe they're not where they need to be yet. And that's okay. Like nobody's expecting, you know, Rudds to come in and like make them really, really good this year. Um, I think UVA scores points, but I think Louisville, you know, they kind of, they've been on the wrong end of some weird losses to UVA. I feel like recently, especially the last two um, you know, the, the COVID game here was close, but then they lost late and, then last year was a debacle for them. I think they're going to come out pretty fired up for this one. Um, I, I, I mentioned it on the pod last week. I think I don't think they're going to win the Atlantic or anything, but I think they could be in the mix. Um, it could be one of those things where it's like, you know, Clemson's seven and zero, and NC State six and one, and Louisville can actually still win the league somehow, you know, or whatever, or you know, something like that. Um, and I think that they get the better VBA in this one. I think that they have a big day on offense. And they win a shootout, forty-two to thirty-one. All right, Dave. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, said, Justin yeah. makes some good points. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, it's this is one of the ones I kind of had circled as going either way. Um, you know, I just think well, homecoming with, with Brennan. I'm going to lean Virginia in this one, but look, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, Cunningham's can can do a lot with his legs. Um, but I also <laughs> saw a team that absolutely folded down the stretch last year at home. Um, you know, it's a new season, new team, that whole thing, but it, it's time for a different Virginia. I'm going to, I'm going to let, 
I'm going to let Virginia, you know, Louisville, the Louisville Virginia thing seems to go back and forth on the football field. Obviously, Virginia kind of has had the advantage on the basketball side there, but um, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm giving Virginia the win. I like Brennan in front of the big crowd. You know, at four and one, this should be a good crowd. Like like Brad was saying, five and zero in his world. That's definitely a big crowd. I think Virginia feeds off that. Hopefully, it's a later kick, get a little more excitement. Definitely a lot of points scored. Virginia's gonna. Almost identical score to the previous year, 36 to 34 in a barn burner. So you guys asked me where the uh, statue goes. And the answer is, is that after what I think is going to be a night game, I think it's going to be um, a whole, you know, one of those, you know, just a bunch of juice in the stadium. And it's going to, it's the most Virginia thing ever. They're going to lose. Um, this is just the way, this is the way the sports gods work, man. Um, I think it's going to be a, a shootout. Um, I, I just think that I, I don't know. Since since Setterfield got to Louisville, I've just been sort of waiting for them to to really sort of put it together. And I'm not necessarily sure that this is the year that they actually you know win their division or whatever, whatever. But I think what Ferber said earlier about you know oh look Louisville's right there. I think that's probably where this team will be. Um, I think they've probably underachieved more than most folks really realized. Um, well, they part, had like a weird, like it was, they were going to be bad. And then Satterfield had like a good first year and people yes. were like, Oh, and then it just kind of like never yes. really. And then he had the whole, like, is he, then leaving? They had the bad is he not leaving? You know, there yeah. was that whole weirdness. I, I think they're, they're going to, they're going to be, I think they're going to be in, in contention in the, in the Atlantic for um, the duration this year. Um, I just, I, I really do think though, that this, this is that game. This is that classic Virginia game where, um, Everything is going right until it absolutely is not. And I think uh, it's not so much just that I think Cunningham's going to have a good night. I just think the overall, this is the game where like it just doesn't it just doesn't work. And this is the first real um, dose of adversity, or as Dave would call it, diversity. Um, <laughs> sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, but that's okay. You guys gave me crap about Sam Howell for years. Um, but I, I just feel like this is that game that Virginia loses. And everybody's like, "Wait, what's happening? Like, I wait. I thought we were good. Are we not good? Like, and well, then I think I, the I think the message board narrative is pretty clear. If they lose this game, especially if they don't look good doing it, it's like we haven't played anybody good yet. Yep. So like exactly. our four wins are against nobody. Yes. Yes. And so <laughs> that that whole week after that, I, I think is what happened. Anyway, give me give me Louisville to win at forty eight forty two. Like I said, a whole lot of points. Um, I do have a wrinkle here actually. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Rudd's coached against Louisville in the bowl game last year and beat them. So, interesting had not thought but they did i think louisville scored a decent number of points so I don't think, it wasn't like they you know won them seven nothing or something um but yeah interesting nonetheless i guess he has some history with him and another defense and, that tony elliott does i mean studied a lot and will be yeah sure runs with i don't think they have any losses to louisville um during that time i think and they've kind of i think even last year they did pretty well i think that was a tight game but they scored some points all right, so, all right, they're on a buy. I'm gonna go get another drink. You you do that. We'll 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 talk amongst ourselves. Um, all right, so it's Thursday, October the twentieth, seven thirty p.m. ESPN to televise. Virginia goes to Atlanta, play Georgia Tech. I might take. I think I might. I think I might want to go to this one. I don't know. This one feels fun. I love going to um, Atlanta in general. Um, but anyway, um, I'll go first here. Listen. It's the most UVA thing ever, right? To lose that game the week before, 
folks are all like, oh, we haven't played anybody. This is a, this is the get right game, right? This is this is the you know because I I mean, will Georgia Tech have a head coach at this point in the season? Who knows? Um, very possible that maybe they they have parted ways. Um, but I I just feel like this is the game where everything clicks back into place. Maybe it's not necessarily because the the, the competition's all that great or anything like that. But I think for for Virginia's purposes, this is where you, you put the thing back on the tracks. You go, okay, all, you know, it, it will, it will alleviate a lot of the stress that came out of the loss to Louisville at, on homecomings. And then you get a bye week and that, you know, that angst kind of just keeps churning. That's just the way these things work for Virginia. So, I, but again, I, I think Virginia puts up points in this game. Um, I think this is the fourth game in the row and the fifth game in the season where I've got Virginia scoring uh, more than 44, 44 points or more. Um, but yeah, I just think the Georgia Tech team is pretty awful. So give me Virginia 47 to 13 to win it. Um, we'll give Ferber a little bit more time, Dave, as long as you're still there. Um, oh, okay, good. He's back. All right, Dave, what do you think? How do you, how do you see this one unfolding? Yeah, I mean, you know, Georgia Tech and Virginia obviously have a history of weird things happening in their in their rivalry, but um, I don't know what Georgia Tech is. I mean, it's probably Collins last last year. They've got that brutal schedule we've discussed. I don't know how together that team is at this point. Um, and Virginia at this point, this is their fourth road game. They've kind of figured out, you know, Tony Elliott as a head coach has kind of figured out how that works by now. The team is definitely kind of used to it. Um, obviously, they've had a week off to kind of fix some things for me. Um, fix, you know, on a, they're on a four game winning streak heading into this bye. Um, I think Virginia goes down there and takes care of business. Um, that's what good teams do. And I think we're starting to see a good Virginia team emerge at this point. So I've got Virginia winning 24 to seven. Um, cause I mean, at this point, <laughs> 24 to seven. Um, I just think they go down there. I think Georgia Tech's just going to be a shell of a team by that point. If Virginia can get out early and just kind of shut them down, um, that's what I'm baking on. So 24-7 Virginia as they move to 6-1 and one in Dave's magical world. All right, Ferber, what say you? Yeah, um, this is one that, you know, like I have on my schedule or I have something on my schedule. You guys have kind of, convince me to go a different direction um with the pick but i'm trying to figure out you know what i'm just going to stick with what i have um i have georgia tech winning 31 28 this is like bizarro world yeah because i think that i but i think everything you guys said about georgia tech is true i don't think they're very good um i don't think that they they might and and this is what gives me pause what dave said they might have just full out quit by then but there's also a chance that Jeff Collins isn't their coach by then. And they might be playing for an interim coach or something. So the, um, so the ghost they, of Bear Bryant came back yeah, and is exactly. now leading them onto the field. Bobby Dodd or John Heisman or whoever their <laughs> legendary coach was. No, um, but I do – I mean, they're coming off a bye as well, I believe. Um, the fighting so Kevin Islands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that negates it. If you remember last year, Georgia Tech scored 40 points at Scott Stadium. Um most of them were in the last like five minutes of the game somehow. Um, they don't have Jameer Gibbs again, but I do think Jeff Sims is pretty competent. They got a pretty good transfer running back from Buffalo. I'm picking Georgia Tech here as a Zach. I don't think that you, they're better than UVA. I don't think UVA is going to lose this game like in every scenario. 
But I think if you if I'm looking at the schedule and I'm picking them to lose a game that I don't think they should lose outside of the Syracuse Illinois conundrum where I was going to pick them to lose one of those two, um, this is it for me. And I think that they will probably win one that they're not supposed to as well. So we'll get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that Thursday night on the road in Atlanta, it just feels weird to me. I'm going to go with Georgia Tech, even though like my brain tells me it's not smart. All right. So wait, say the number again. Thirty-one twenty-eight. Thirty-one twenty-eight. All right. So do you? No, you so are anymore. Let's let's pause. Let's I pause mean, here. neither do I. <laughs> let's pause here, dear listener, and let's just let's just just tell you what your host of this podcast just did. Okay. One of your hosts, who is the smart one, has Virginia putting up a lot of points and winning this thing to walk. All right. One of your hosts, who is moderately smart, has them only putting up twenty-four, but winning pretty handily. Okay. And then Ferber has them losing to Georgia Tech. I just have no words for the last three and a half, whatever minutes it was of, of this podcast. I am, man, I'm a little shook. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'll sum it up at the end. Okay. I, I hope you, I hope you've, uh, I hope you have brought um, visual aids or something to help me understand everything that just transpired. All right. Um, so next, the next Saturday, October the 29th, uh, it's family weekend in Charlottesville. Miami comes to town. I'm guessing their Canes will probably be ranked by this point. Um, unfortunately, we, we know this one will be on TV. We just don't know uh, yet who, what channel, all that fun stuff. Ferber, I'm sure you have, I don't know. I have no idea what you're going to make in this game. So, so why, don't you, uh, why don't you break that news to us? Yeah, I think Miami's going to be pretty good. I don't think that there's any shame in losing this. We kind of mentioned like, there isn't a game on UVA schedule that they can't win. And I certainly believe that. Um, but I also think this might be the hardest to win, like a bit, or the best team they're going to play. Um, I think if Tyler Van Dyke can get off to this start, kind of picking up where he left off in the back half of last season, I think they could be quite good. And they have that game at Texas A&M. I don't expect them to win that game, but like if they even, if they're competitive in that, they have to come out of that feeling pretty good. Um, they have a lot of skill talent. I think we talked last week about how Cristobal is going to be more of a blue collar, like physical offensive line driven coach. I think that's what they need in addition to the fact that he's going to recruit well, you know, so I think he's going to be successful there um, at least to some degree. I don't know if that you will be back necessarily, but um, I think that they will win the coastal. Um, and I think that they come to Charlottesville and this is a game where UVA's offense, there's always like a game or two, even when UVA has a good offense where it's like, they just get kind of stuck in the mud. I guess like every team has games like that. I think this will be that to some extent. I think Miami will kind of get some pressure on the quarterback and just give them a lot of trouble. And, and they'll kind of like have trouble getting out of neutral, kind of like the weight game last year earlier in the season. So I think Miami wins uh 27 to 17. All right, Dave, what you got? Yeah. I've got, I might have game day in Charlottesville, you know, if all breaks, right. Virginia six and one Miami could be, you know, I think Miami's only certain losses, Texas A&M. Um, yeah. I think other than that, they'll probably win their games. Yeah, I, I yeah. remember looking at it and being like, their schedule is like backloaded. Yeah. I mean, they've got, I think Virginia tech and UNC right before, right around mm -hmm. the time they play us. And then they've got Florida state the week after. So, um, you know, it's one of those things point, where it's like, they're either good or they're not <laughs> like, yeah. you know, if they're, if they're good, they probably are like six and one. Yeah. And they've got, you know, look, they've got lots of talent. Um, like I'm not as a sold on Van Dyke as others are. And, but, you know, I think he's a good quarterback. It's, 
yeah, yeah, the Miami thing. Miami's it, it's all Virginia fans know. It doesn't matter how good they are. For some reason, Virginia plays well against them. Um, I went back and forth on this one, and this is one of those games where you know when we get closer to, to the time, when we game week, we'll kind of laugh at what we did in the preseason. I'm sure because we'll know a lot more about both teams. But I think you know if you think Virginia's only played once in 21 days going into this game. Um, because of the the buy and then the the Thursday game with the mini buy going into this game, so they should be kind of recovering, getting getting healthy, you know, going into a a long stretch of home games. Um, the tailgate fan of me is disappointed. We've only had like three home games, and it's October 29th. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. Um, but four straight home games for Virginia to kind of make some hay against the bulk of their ACC schedule. Um, I think it's going to be a weird game. Um, I fully in, intend on laughing at this in the future when we when we get to game week, but I'm going to give Virginia the edge in this one. Um, feels like a game that's going to be played at night. Feels like a game that it's going to be you know big, big for the program going coming in at six and one. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot more physical. Maybe this is where Virginia shows, hey, we've we've kind of matured. We've gotten a rotation on the defensive line. We're playing more sound defensively. We're relying on our run game to kind of shorten the game um, and kind of comes out and matches Miami's you know, physicality and wins 2018 on a missed field goal by Miami. I, I like when, I like when we go out there and tell you exactly what the last play is going to be. That is some, that is some, well, it's just the, the doing prognostication right there. So do you, so, so the, the, the lead up to the guy missing the field goal is them showing him missing the field goal last year. Yeah. yeah, he'll he'll go wide right this time. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, that was like an 18-yarder or something crazy, too. I yeah, went back was, and looked at it. Oh, that was terrible. Um, so, yeah, and Dave mentioned the thing about game day. So, in your world, Dave, not only are they 6-1, and one, but they've won five in a row. Um, so, I mean, yeah. the momentum is, is – You is, got Brandon Armstrong, Tyler Van Dyke. I'd have to look at the rest of the schedule, but – Yeah, that's uh, yeah. unless there's yeah. some other big game that day. All right. I'm sure So, in my, in my, yeah, my narrative here, Virginia starts the season at 5-0, and loses to Louisville, comes back, decimates Georgia Tech, maybe even ends the Collins Aerodome. Um, listen – I think Miami is is not only to Ferber's point, not only going to be pretty good. I I, I do think that they're back. I, I do think that Cristobal is the right guy for the job. Um, I don't want to make a, a mountain out of this molehill, but like when I heard that they had ditched the turnover chain, I, I that got my attention. Not necessarily because I thought that thing itself, but if like the mindset that you had to have, I think to do that, considering how you know, I mean, like that's that's such a I mean, it, it quickly became such an identifiable thing for them to get rid of it like that. That tells me that they have, you know, he has a very clear idea of what he wants. Um, I think he, I think they're going to be, um, I think they're going to be um, in a really good spot going forward. Um, but I also think that all of these Miami teams that have been meh have had way more talent than they've shown. Um, and I think this is a game, you know, if, we, if you're following the Virginia narrative that I'm kind of writing here, I think this is the first time Virginia's offense lets them down. This is the game where, you know, the defense is doing everything they can, but the offense is not putting up points. There's, you know, quick uh, quick three and outs. that You're not able to sort of sustain. Um, and this is this is kind of that game where the defense is actually, even though I've got Miami winning at 33 to 27, 33 points sounds like a bunch, but realistically, like, the defense is doing all it can. It's just this is the, this is the game the offense kind of can't quite – 
do what it has been doing, right? I had them scoring 49, 44, 47, 48, 47, right? I just think that they're going to struggle to put up points. Um, so I give me Miami to win that one, 33-27, and Virginia to fall to 6-2 and two on the season for me. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Yeah, 5-3 and three for Ferber, and then 6. So, sorry, Dave has them at 7-1. and one. I have wow. them at 4-4. Four and four. Do you really? 1, 2, 3. Yeah. I have them no, losing you have- to Syrac- Syracuse, Louisville, Georgia Tech, and Miami. Georgia Tech. <laughs> oh, you had them losing to Louisville. My bad. I thought I, I, I thought did. Them My bad. Wow. Man, Ferber, you're down on this team, buddy. I All will right. explain at the end. Uh, you keep <laughs> saying this. You keep saying this. No All one's right. going on to hear what you say about that point. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> All right. North Carolina – no, Saturday, November the 5th, the South's oldest rivalry renewed once again. Uh, and did you know that Mac Brown has coached in like 75% of all of those games? Um, that's that's not a real stat. I just pulled that out of thin air, guys. Don't go look it up. Um, there is one There is one Mac Brown stat that's relevant in this game. Dave? Okay. Wow. Do you have it? Oh, man. Put um, him on the spot. The, he's never won in Scott Stadium. Stadium. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> 0% of his wins. I thought it was going to be something way more fun than that. The thing. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right, Ferber, tell us what you got. UVA wins this one. So, not a lot of uh, thought. This is sort of my reverse Georgia Tech pick. Um, you know, North Carolina, I think I said last week, I think that people are maybe sleeping on them a little bit in the coastal. Um like they lose Sam Howell. I think people kind of wrote them off. Um, and you know, he's not the only guy that left, but I think they return enough talent to be competitive. I think last year, a lot of stuff went wrong for them right out of the gate. I mean, self-inflicted wounds. It's not like they had like, you know, Sam Howell hurt. Um, but you know, they had that tech game right off the bat. That was a bad start to the year. They kind of treaded water for, you know, half a season. And I think they ended up like six and six or something like that. Um, You know, they beat UVA. I think this is a game – they have a young quarterback on the road. I think UVA is going to be hungry for a win in my scenario. Um, They're going to need one. Uh, I think this is a game that kind of plays out like some of the other Carolina games of of late where it's like just a shootout, a ton of points. Um, And I think UVA finds a way to win it. I think think UVA is better than how they've maybe played in in recent weeks in my three-game losing streak that I have them on. You know, they're competitive against Louisville, competitive to some degree against Miami. I think they kind of get it right here um, and win a a really exciting, fun game, 41-38. I'm really curious all of a sudden what what the the thing at the end is going to be. It's yeah, not that revolutionary. It's just sort of like I'll okay. No, 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 no. Okay, Dave, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think Carolina's soft. Um, let's start Ooh, there. shots <laughs> no. fired. Um, look, I, I don't think Carolina can be as good as they were last year. Um, you can tell me their defense. They're, they've got better pieces on defense. They're more matured. Obviously, they got a new defensive coordinator. Um, but the offense. I mean, I'd much rather be in Virginia's situation, replacing your offensive line, than replacing a Sam Howell. And you know, That's the same true. situation. Virginia. Their quarterback situation is a total wild card. Yeah. Like, now they've got a very tally, a very well-regarded um, legacy starting at quarterback. Um, but like, it's still his first year, and and at this point, 
the games they have leading into this game, they will have played Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Miami, Duke, Pittsburgh, and then UVA. Um, it's a rough stretch. That's a pretty good stretch for a team that's got some youth. Um, and look, I I think you know Virginia should have won the game down there last year. Um, Virginia should they have? Football. They should have. Yeah. Ty Chandler ran for like four hundred yards. No, if they if Virginia had a pulse on defense last year, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean Virginia. That's another. I mean they scored. Yeah, they scored like huge. forty points or whatever. Yeah, and they made a big run to get back in it. You know, that's that was that kind of crazy stretch of games there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I expect you know it'll probably be the biggest crowd of the year for, at the Virginia game because it's the Carolina game. Uh, Miami might beat it, but I've got them beaten Miami, so more people are going to come out to Carolina. Um, I've got Virginia winning this one. I think. Mac Brown, you know, this might be his last chance to win in Scott Stadium. I, I doubt he's there two years from now. You know, I guess we could technically get him at home next year with the new schedule, but unlikely. Um, I've got Virginia winning 41 to 27, moving to eight and one and still undefeated in the ACC for the record. They do go to, I don't think North Carolina comes to Charlottesville next year. Um, no, I don't think they could. But um, now they already released the games. Um, Oh, that's but, right. That's right. Yeah. Just... Um, no, but also, like, I was just thinking about this. The game that has to piss Mac Brown off the most, I feel like. I mean, I know there was like the game with the pick, the long pick six. 1996. Yeah, I couldn't remember the year. Um, that's the game that I feel. Year? Yeah, the game that I feel like has yeah. to be the one that pisses him off the most is the the game where they played here with no fans. Oh um, yeah. Two years ago. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and the uh, UVA was like two and four or something, and then they won. <laughs> like. Yeah. It's like I can't even win here when it's empty. <laughs> <laughs> can't even win here when it's empty. Um, all right. So in he my narrative, fake punt. But Virginia may have potentially just lost when they hosted game day and and all this fun stuff. I think the offense gets back on track. Um, I I think that this is the game where the defense though scores a touchdown. Um, everybody's feeling pretty good about themselves at the end of this one. Um, I think it's it's I've got it 44-27 UVA. I think that Carolina scores a touchdown late against like a bunch of schmoes. Um, um, but I I I think ultimately what this game does is you know every time this you know you further talked about that like you know he's got this whole sort of thing he's going to explain at the end. One thing that as I was kind of going through this and thinking through and and doing that narrative thing I do is that, like, it feels like this is a team that can respond right. Adversity shows up, they respond. They keep back. They keep getting back up, and I don't know if that's a function of experience or or, or what, but I, I do kind of have that feeling about this team. Um, but I think this is a game where you know they're really able to to put it back together and kind of maybe fix a little bit of maybe what broke the week before um, against Miami. So forty four twenty seven to start, or I guess not technically start because they they would have played at home the weekend before, but in the middle of the homestand. All right. Saturday, November the 12th, time TBA, TV TBA, but they're going to host Pittsburgh. A, a dark horse of sorts um, in the league in the sense that yeah. nobody seems to really be paying much attention to them. Um, it certainly seems like folks around, folks who are you know close to that program, folks who cover that program, seem to think Pitt's going to be really, uh, really good. I'm very curious to see what the Panthers are like because – I don't know how you lose a quarterback and a wide receiver and your offensive coordinator, and you just think that you're just going to like be okay immediately. Like, granted, their quarterback situation is not like Carolina's, right? 
where they've got the Slovis kid. Anybody else think it was weird that they announced him as a starter? Was there any doubt that? He yeah, was I was like, who was he competing with? Like <laughs> breaking breaking news, everybody. Tony Elliott says that Brennan Armstrong is going to be the starting quarterback for Virginia this year. Make sure, oh, make sure you at Cass underscore corner. Yeah, um, but no, I just I I wonder about this Pittsburgh team, Ferber. What what do you got? How you got this one going? I'm interested to see what they are like too. Um, I kind of talked about UNC as a potential dark horse if they can figure out their quarterback situation. I think Pitt's quarterback situation is going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be like Kenny Pickett good. I don't think he's going to be in New York for the Heisman or whatever. But I think Slovis is really talented and can be a pro. Um, he has had like a really weird career. Um, if you go back to his freshman year at USC, he was like incredibly good. Um, and then it just kind of fell off, but they've had a lot of transition there in the COVID year and all that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he finds his way at Pitt. Um, I think, all, you know, the transfer receiver Mumfield, they brought in from Akron is supposed to be good. Um, I think the guy that is going to be kind of like a key for them that really wasn't last year, just based on everything Arduzzi has been saying, um, and just my intuition is Israel Abanacanda, the running back. It's like pretty talented and they just didn't give him the ball that much last year. Um, I think they'll be more balanced this year. I think they will be a pretty tough team. Um, I think UVA comes to play in this game, but I think Pitt is, is a little too good up front on both sides of the ball um, and uh, gets it done 35, 27. I know it doesn't sound like that kind of game, but um, I think they get after the quarterback enough to make a difference and, make one or two more plays. And I think Pitt is still in the coastal race going into that Miami game, maybe at the end of the season, um, you know, where I think it's at Miami where they would have a chance to potentially play for the division if things fall, fall right for them. But this is another game. Like, honestly, this entire four game home stretch, these could all be wins. These could all be losses for UVA. So certainly wouldn't count them out on this one. So 35, 27 Pitt. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Dave, what about you? Yeah, Pitt, Pitt's one of those teams that I feel like Virginia just struggles with regardless of how good Pitt is or how good Virginia is. Um, a lot of that has to do with just the way they play. Uh, you know, last year was a little different. Pitt was not as physical as they had been in the past, and I think clearly you've seen Narduzzi wants to get back to what they were. Um, you know, and, and kind of a prime example of how you can't have a physical defense if you don't have a physical offense. That was – probably the worst pit defense we've seen in years agreed. last year. Yeah, agreed. Um, and a lot of the same pieces that were good the year before. So, you know, I think they're going to, they're going to get back to running the ball. Um, like Slovis, I think he's, he's got, he's a quarterback that got a lot of tools. He obviously he would be better if he had Addison there, but um, I think they're going to, they're going to try to establish the run game all year. Um, it'll be interesting as an aside, it'll be interesting to see how Slovis does as an Arizona guy, West Coast guy. How is he going to do playing in that cold Pittsburgh weather on that nasty field? Um, obviously, it doesn't apply to this game, but well, I'll be I thought about that, though. I was like, this is late in the season, cold weather, potentially. This could be like playing right in the pit's hands. <laughs> like they, could, they, I feel yeah, like they love be. it. They do, but I don't know if he does. That would mm-hmm. be an interesting thing. So, um, But I do think it's a game that – I can't have Virginia win them all, and this is the one I – between Pitt, UNC, and Miami, I decided I'd let Pitt win. Um, so I've got Pitt winning. Virginia's the biggest loss of the year for Virginia at this point, um, 34-23 to 23, Pittsburgh. Um, this would be a heartbreaking loss, by the way, considering the situation. 
I mean, they'd beat eight and two, Virginia beat eight and two, and what six and one. And I guess they would two. still probably have Seven a and good one. shot at the coastal at this point. Yeah, because I think Miami's probably lost a couple by that point. Virginia had the top. And I mean, UVA beat them in your scenario, right? Yeah. So, yep. so you would just need Pitt to have lost a game or two. Yep. They'd um, probably come down to that last week. They'd probably the result of the Pitt Miami game. Um, probably ultimately decide it. So. So. Dave said a thing about physicality and that that's actually, you know, when I sat down to do this, that was on my mind a lot. And we talk, I feel like I don't have any clue when the podcast was, but we were talking about the schedule. And one of the things that was nice about this was that you could sort of like, not necessarily like ease into it, but that you, you could sort of stack it up, right. As the season sort of went on, you were, I feel like we're going to be able to, to sort of um, build, right. And I think this is the game where you got to have that physicality. And one of the things that was kind of true about a lot of Bronco teams um, was that in the biggest moments, they didn't necessarily have the physicality that they needed for the entire game, right? They had moments, right? And these games with Pitt have been a great example. Um, You know, the one a few years ago, right? Um, I I feel like these games have been into to your point about last year and I, that was the least pit feeling pit team I've seen in a while. And I do, I do think this one's going to try to get back to sort of being what they've been. Um, but I think this is the game where Virginia has to be more physical. And I feel like this is the game where that, that depth of talent on the defensive side up front um, really matters the most. And um, I was on the fence about this, honestly, for a while, but I, I think ultimately where I came down to is that I think Virginia is going to be able to stop the run. I think we're we're finally going to see a team that can actually go out and stop the run when they need to. So I think this thing is close late. I think Pitt has the ball. They need to stop. They get to stop. 24-20 UVA um, to move them to 8-2 and two on the season. Um, for me, I, I do think Miami is, you know, I think it's going to be basically UVA and Miami in the Coastal, and then at this point Miami is – it's one of those things like, yeah, you hope they can lose a couple games, but you're not really sure that that's realistic. But, all right, two more games left. How are we feeling? I feel wow. like the next one is kind of a trap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little. Just a little. Yeah, bit. I think I think this will – I don't even think this will be a trap when it gets played. People, I don't know. I mean, they their defense. Uh, I won't steal your thunder, but their defense is probably not going to be very good. Right. So. I don't think they're going to be like ten and zero or anything. But I, I don't think people will be like sleeping on them. Do they have a power five game before they play UVA? Because that would be the perfect opportunity for people to be like, oh, like they're good. <laughs> you know, All right. Before well, they get the when y'all, Dave, look that up while Ferber's answering. I'm looking at it. Up. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Saturday, November the nineteenth, Coastal Carolina. It's Senior Day. We're gonna we're gonna bid farewell to to Brendan Armstrong and company in their final home game. Um, I personally, the trap. I, I think that is that is the entire conversation with this game. They don't um, have any other power five. Yes, yeah. but they do play Army Week One. That's an awesome game. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, this is no shade at Coastal uh, by any stretch, but I think this game is this is a classic. Like this game is all about UVA to me. Um, I, do they go in, you know, can they go into this one and actually handle their business? Right. You know, like we've talked about the running game. We've talked about being more physical on defense. The defense can actually get the stop they need late in the game. You know, that kind of thing. This is the game where you're like, okay, late in the season, can you just do what you're supposed to do? 
Um, and I, I do think that a significant part of when, when Broncos sort of turned it around and had it going in the right direction, this was a reason why, right? They were able to get wins against teams when they needed to just get wins. They were able to just kind of handle their business. You know, we've talked in the, on the podcast before about like the team, you know, has its stuff together the most typically wins. Right. Um, and I think this is a game where Virginia has to sort of have it, have its stuff together. Just going in Ferber, what, uh, what, what, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I think UVA wins the game. I think it's higher scoring than people like. Um, I think, you know, it, it's one of those games where Coastal, you know, they're going to be they're going to be putting a lot into it. And, you know, it's I don't want to say the biggest game in their season because they could probably compete for the for the Sun Belt. I don't know where they ended up in the preseason poll, but I'm assuming they're among the favorites um, in the East. I, I think that they come in, give it a game effort. It's kind of like, I don't think it's as lopsided, but I mean, some of these games that UVA's played in this spot, like against Liberty have been like, why is Liberty still in this game? You know, like later into the game, I think it'll be kind of like that, but a little closer. I think UVA ultimately can do enough, you know, offensively to, to get by. I think they win 38 to 30 in a game that is not quite as close as it looks on the scoreboard. 38 to 30. Yeah. Like a game where they're up like, you know, 31, 17. Right. And And then then, they win 38, 30. Yeah. All right. Dave, what do you think? Spoiler alert. I have the exact same freaking score. Wow. Um, This one, when I first started going through the schedule, I was like, you know, um, if if Virginia's eight and two here and one, only one loss in the coastal, you know, they've played a tough stretch of three games and they have a really big game coming up the week after. Is this a game where you maybe, you know, you're not going to try to lose, but maybe you're, you don't play your big guys as much as you would normally to kind of keep them healthy. Um, I think I have a pushback, if you, but you might already be on. The no, it's, it's what crossed my mind. And I was like, wait a minute, it's senior day. Yeah. It's Brennan really, Armstrong's last home game. It's Brennan Armstrong's last home game. Keaton Thompson's last home game. Maybe Wick's Billy last Kemp. game. Uh, Billy Kemp, you know, a lot of guys playing their last game and they're going to want to play. Um, and even, you know, even if they don't, you know, even if they don't play the full game, I think Virginia can, you know, um, McCall's a good quarterback and, at this point, I think Virginia's got a much better defense. They've played quarterbacks as good, if not better than him, and they've definitely played offenses with more skill players. So um, I think they'll score, and that's why I went 38-30. I, I think Virginia kind of pulls away late, and um, Brennan gets his curtain call. So, yeah. Um, that would be so cool. It would. I mean, I like, hope you don't see that a lot. Last so drive cool. to, you know, to <laughs> – I hope he's not having to be in there last drive to try to pull out a win or something, but um, – it would be cool for him to get a curtain call. So yeah, nine and two for UVA at this point with a 38, 30 win over coastal Carolina. All right. Wait, give me that number again, Dave. I'm sorry. Oh wait, no, it was 38, 30. That's right. Cause you guys had the same pick. Sorry. I, I was like, why did button. I, I was yeah, like, why did first. I put the pin down? And I was like, Oh, that's right. Cause I already written it. Um, so, all right. So what you just said about Brennan getting his, his curtain call. Um, I have, long thought that the storybook ending here is really for them to be in a position where you you essentially the game the the decision the 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 outcome is not no longer in doubt right and um you sort of you sort of know that this thing is is that the meal is cooked and is do you want to put jay in the game right and i think one of the best things that could happen for them is if jay goes into the game um, 
but I think personally, I would really hope they just let Brennan ride. But I understand, given everything that's coming the next week, why they wouldn't. Anyway, I I, I don't I, I don't have a lot of confidence that Coastal is going to be able to actually score. I think they're going to be able to move the ball, but I just don't I don't, I don't see it. And uh, I think that the Virginia wins it going going away um, pretty easily. So give me Virginia forty four seventeen. Um, let me close out the home slate with uh, three of four uh, wins on that home stand. Um, all right. All comes down to this. Virginia Tech. And that's it. See you next that's week. That's it. <laughs> that's all. That's all, folks. We have Virginia winning more games in November than they won like the previous, what, two seasons Yeah, combined. that's fair. Saturday, November the 26th, Blacksburg. Uh, I'm sure it will be cold. Um, God, What's the TV cold. situation? No, no TV at this point. TBA. Game time TB, TBA as well. Um, I, I I don't know if we need to have a larger conversation about Virginia Tech, but I do want to say that like I have zero confidence in their offense. I'm mildly confident in their defense, but not enough to really un, like have a good feel for what their season is going to look like. Ferber, what do you how do you feel like this one's going to go? Um. All right, so on my paper here, I have Virginia Tech winning 24-23. However, I'm going to go the other way. Um, Wait, you're changing your stuff on the fly? You never do this. I do sometimes. I mean, I've changed a couple scores here tonight. Um, I'm going to go the other way, but it's purely a I don't think Virginia Tech's going to be very good pick. Um and I think UVA can score enough points to win. But I do think that UVA getting this tech team at the end of the season is not great compared to if they played them early. I mean, obviously they never do, but you get the idea. I think like by the time we get to this game, tech will have sort of found their way a little bit. Um, I just don't know what the ceiling is for them. Right. Um, You know, we talked about it last week, but they have a pretty good run into this game. So, like, it's possible they could use the momentum and kind of finish off the season. I think this is a toss-up. Um, I don't read anything into, like, what the new staff is doing as far as a rivalry. That I don't think any of that really matters that much once you strap it up and put the helmets on. Um, I, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to come down to who makes the plays late, like last year. Um, I think UVA does just enough to win this game. This is sort of a hedge for me because uh, if if Tech is worse than maybe I think or like UVA is a little better, this could be a game that UVA should win comfortably, but they just never do. <laughs> so like, I mean, I picked Tech because I was like, I just got to that game and was like, why would I? Why would I do this to myself again? Um, but I will. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it to myself again. I'm going to have UVA 27, Tech 24, in a game that uh, very obviously could go either way. This is not certainly not a, a hard and fast prediction at this point. Like, you know, take it, take it as you will. All right, Dave, we know, we know where you're, we know who you're picking. <laughs> the question is why? Um, because I hate tech. <laughs> That's it. Um, look, I, I don't know where Virginia tech is. Um, other than it's in Blacksburg, you know, a, a team that thinks a team that thinks it's more relevant than it is. Um, but yeah, their offense, unless they somehow discover some skill talent in the 11 weeks leading up to this, 
that I don't see on their roster. It, it's hard to believe their offense is going to be able to win a game. Um, I do expect their defense to be decent, but this is a team that's going to have to rely on that defense a lot all year. Um, and, you know, it's a new era. It's, you know, different coaching staffs, different everything. Um, like I said, until, until my last podcast, I'll never pick Virginia Tech to win this game week of or preseason, um, which means I've only been right once since the podcast started. But that's it. Like, yeah, I do think something's going to change. Like, you know, Brendan's been on been at Virginia for a while. He's watched some, you know, he was on the roster when we won. He's seen some losses. Um, obviously, Brendan played well enough last year to win that game. Um pretty much by himself and you know that game was there for the taking against a team I think last year was probably better than Virginia Tech's going to be this year overall um so I've got I've got Virginia winning this one finally an easy win where Virginia fans can relax um for the first time since God knows when and I would have to go back and look it's got to be mid-90s um 30 to 12 Virginia Tech will block an extra point um take it back for two because that's what they do but I've got Virginia winning that and finishing the regular season with their second 10-win season, and then we can discuss where to build the trophy. Yeah, I, I think, like, with Tech, too, it's, like, um, it's not just, like, how they score points. It's, like, how do they how do they keep up with a team that is, like, UVA can just come in and be, like, if they're healthy and be, like, we're just going to, like, throw the ball around and, and see what we can do. And I also think, like, this could be the part two of what happened in 2019 – where UVA's quarterback was on the bad end of like a bitter loss to tech and like a loss that lingered into the off season, probably. I don't know. UVA this year, the situation was different with the coaching change, but I could see like, you know, this being Brennan's redemption game, like Bryce got one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Brennan didn't call that play either. You know, that's what the one thing that sticks in my head. Like, yeah. Right. It's not his fault. And also no. like he put them in the position to be down there by like making a couple of big throws. Well, he was definitely hurt. Right. Um, oh, and yeah, then yeah. also like Bryce, Bryce's fumble wasn't really his fault either. So, no. I mean, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like you did what you had to do, but like it just, you came up short in a game that you felt like you should have won against a team that you were probably better than. Um, and, you know, so I think like that sort of stuff sticks with guys, especially when they come back and, and this is, the par- there are a lot of parallels, I think, between the two um, situations. So, I have I have had this number. This was the first number I wrote on the page, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm kind of salty that Dave I and mean, he didn't necessarily steal the whole thing because he didn't actually write the number. It wasn't the same number, but the rationale, the idea of UVA having this is the easy one. Um, I, I've long thought that in this game, the worst thing that can happen to UVA is a first quarter lead. Right. And sort of think about what happened in 2019 and the kind of back and forth of it all. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that Virginia is going to come out and just roll, um, but I do think that whatever the thing is that's like a click below that, that's what it's going to be. Um, I, I think you're talking, you know, good stuff in the first quarter in a good spot. It's not that tech is terrible, um, it's just that, you know, it's just not, it just does not have the feel of the way the other games have gone. And I think that's in part because I think this is one of those games where, where Brennan Armstrong goes out there and puts his, his, his stamp on it. Um, that's not to say that he didn't already do that last season. I mean, he had a hell of a year and he would have broken the league's 
you know, single season passing record if he hadn't gotten hurt. I'm, I am convinced of that. Um, but at the same time, signature sort of victories have a way of sort of etching themselves. Um, and, and they don't necessarily come always in the biggest of seasons. Right. Um, for me, I see this thing as, you know, the fact that he goes to Blacksburg and he wins this game. Um, I think he's going to do it with some really nice stats. I, I could absolutely see him sort of dicing them up. Um, I I have Virginia winning the game uh, 37 to 19. I, I feel like it's just a, you know, it's just one of those games where you just have no doubt which, which team is going to win. Um, and you don't even necessarily need to, to have the numbers on the screen. Like you can just sort of see it. Um, it's been a long time since Virginia had a game against Virginia tech where you could just tell Virginia was outclassing them. And that's not to say that Brent Pry and company aren't going to do well in Blacksburg. Um, I just don't think it's going to be this year. You know, you could convince me that parts of tech schedule will go any which way, but this is the one I feel pretty, pretty confident on. Um, I just feel like for Virginia fans, the catharsis of 2019, this is going to feel very similarly where one of the best quarterbacks to ever wear the Jersey is going to go out with the win, at least on, you know, in terms of the regular season, going to go out with a win, um, against the Hokies in Blacksburg. Um, and yeah, I got, and we will storm I, the field. <laughs> we've talked about, we've talked about, I think honestly for it, even more so than like vindication for Brendan Armstrong, I don't think he's, he needs vindication at this point. That's just unfair, but I think it would be really big for Tony Elliott more than anybody else. Oh, huge, like huge. being able to start your first year here, even if Tech's like six and six or whatever, which I think they will be. I think they'll be like a bullish team. Um, you know, being able to go down there and win too, and and just get that win right right off the bat, and be like, we're going to do something different now. Even if something different is just parody, <laughs> like you know, and not losing every year. Um, I think like you have some people that are skeptical right now or on the fence or wait and see because of recruiting and maybe they didn't hire the guy that they wanted um, and whatever, like I don't, that's fair, whatever. Um, he's going to have to prove it. But I think like if you could go out and win that game, even in my scenario where maybe they're not like competing for the coastal, um, I think maybe you can make some people believers and, and make, you know, get some runway out of, out yeah. of the fan base. Because it's it's the noose that every coach has worn here. You know, it's doesn't matter how good Bronco did. Hey, you hadn't beaten Tech. You hadn't beaten Tech. Um, you know, and his situation was worse because he should have beaten them a bunch of times. Yeah, like I mean, you know, Al Al beat Tech. I think his third year, and then didn't do it for a while. Mike London never did, obviously. Um, And it really doesn't matter what else you do. You know, it's especially if you're trying to build the program recruiting in the state of Virginia, right? Like we, we know we've, we've discussed this at, at nauseum. Um, it's, you know, you, if you're a kid, a certain age, like you've seen Virginia beat Virginia tech once in your lifetime, basically. Um, so it's, you've got to change that narrative. So if Tony doesn't have to answer that question, every beginning of the season, like, you know, mm-hmm. is tech game, the biggest game of the year Yeah, that just allows them to say, Hey, we're trying to win the ACC this year. You know, we're trying to take the next step. And the tech game becomes an afterthought because I mean, yeah, you worry about that when it comes around. Like, yeah. yeah. But then also like, I also on the flip side of this, I don't think it's fair to put this on him. 
in year no, one. No, I don't think so either. And I be like, you can... have to win this game. It's like, okay, yeah. it's the first one. <laughs> I think what's, you know, it, it's, what's interesting is that, you know, um, and, and, and something that Dave wrote for a, for a thing that hasn't shown up yet. That's what they call a tease. Um, you know, they talked about like sort of the idea of that this is a very weird sort of coaching change because it's not, you know, things aren't downtrodden, right? So you have the newness of a staff, you know, you have a first year head coach, you know, first time as the big whistle and you have this also at the same time, you have this, conf, you know, competing sort of feeling because you have Armstrong and you've got these receivers and you've got talent, right? And it, so it doesn't feel like you're rebuilding because you're not, but then you're also not necessarily reloading, right? Because you did have, there's a lot of different, right? There's a lot of new going around. Um, so it's a very weird sort of year um, in the sense that this is a different sort of spot for a team. And so you're right like that. It shouldn't, it, there's a lot that's on Tony this year because of things that did, he has no control over. Right. It's in some ways, if you're a new coach, the best thing that can happen for you is that the team was terrible before you, Mike Elko. you know, exactly. Like nobody's going to care that Duke is going to lose however many games Duke loses this year. Right. Um, fans will be, as we've already seen, right. We've already seen the level of angst that's out there and I don't worry, I'm not going to start, you know, whatever, like, don't, don't at me. Um, I'm just saying that in the bigger picture, right. There's already this feeling of like some borderline frustration among fans, even though nothing's happened yet. Right. So like if, if Virginia were to come out and I mean, honestly, Ferber's got him going seven and five, you know, like if that's the season, I could see folks being frustrated with that just because of the schedule. Like I talked about before, um, but I also think that like you have to sort of just you have to look at the to- what a you know to- what was I think it was a growism right the totality of circumstances and I mean yeah the guy's a first year head coach and a lot of these coaches who are with him have not ca- taught taught have not coached together before they've not taught these schemes before you know they've not been with these guys they've not been in Charlottesville they've not been in the ACC. Um, but at the same token, man, the team has talent and they've got to do something with it when they've got it. Um, so it's weird to think that at the same time you have a new approach, a new everything. There's also these expectations, but that's just the nature of the beast, man. Um, and I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to see the way it all plays out. Ferber, what was your ending thought process? What was your... Yeah. Um, so I had the team on paper going six and six. I ended up amending that to seven and five. I think that's about where they'll be. Um, I wouldn't be, I think the upside to, to get to where you guys have them is, is there um, for sure, based on the schedule and the quarterback situation. I think that's the one thing as I was doing this, I was like, am I underrating the fact that they actually have a good quarterback and like, I can just pick them to win games and feel good about that. Um and then, you know, you have all the skill talent around them. I think Lavelle Davis is going to have a, a nice back, you know, bounce back season. However, I think that there is um, some downside on this team. Just, just in, you know, inherent downside from the scheme changes. And I'm trying to learn lessons from what happened in 2016. It's not the same situation by any means, but we all thought that that team was going to a bowl game because we thought that Bronco would be able to take the best of what the previous staff was doing, uh, leverage the talent that was already there and make it better. But with the scheme changes, you almost had to reset everything. And I think that's ultimately where they ended up, even though they got much better quarterback play um, than what we had seen before. But 
with this team, I mean, it's a different situation completely, but um, I think that there are some overlaps in terms of like, there's going to be, if maybe it's going to take a few games for them to figure out what they're doing on offense. Maybe it's going to take a few games to, to get a rotation at, at certain positions. I think the defense is going to be better, but I think they're going to be a work in progress. And I think they're going to show some warts. And I think in the years to come that they will be much better with a good, with a good defensive coordinator, but I don't think they're going to all of a sudden be able to stop everybody also. And I mean, you have to remember like the, a lot of the players are, you know, either the guys that backed up the guys that were giving up the points or they were the guys giving up the points. So I think like, you know, it's going to be a work in progress. And I also think, you know, with this record prediction, I'm building in the offensive line downside. Um, I think that I don't think they're going to be a train wreck necessarily, but going through camp, I mean, they haven't had the same five guys out there at the same time. Um, you know, the guys that are out there, a lot of them are shifting around and like, it's and this is not a knock on 2J at all. He's been put in a really tough spot, and I think he's going to do a good job. But like, I think that this is going to be a work in progress. I think you're going to see guys rotating in and out, and they're an injury or two away from playing a walk, like or like a freshman. And in that situation, you also have to account for the possibility of your quarterback getting hurt, and that's kind of what I'm doing here too. So I'm kind of like hedging a little bit with this prediction, but I I think I, the more I've seen, the more I've I, I just get a sense of what's going on with the team. I feel like they're more like last year's team than they are like a 10 and two team, regardless of the schedule, just because I think there's some upheaval. And I think you have a, you know, you have good talent on the team, but it's not equally distributed. Um, and I think that it's going to take a year or two for the coaching staff to kind of like figure out what's working for them on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I think yeah, that's I all it. That's reasonable. I, the one quibble I would say is that the, the transfer of power from from Mike's staff to Bron- to Bronco's staff includes Mike and Bronco, right? And again, I, I think Mike London is legitimately one of the best humans I've ever met. I think he's a great dude. I think toward the end of his tenure, they were as an organization, they were just completely all over the place. And I think that that in and of itself. And when you had a coach who came in who had expectations and a lot of dudes washed out, I, I think from us, you know, regardless of, of like what his pedigree was before and the whole, you know, we don't go home for the holidays or stay home for the holidays or whatever. Uh, I just think that that team, regardless of whether it did have talent in some spots, it just didn't have enough anywhere. Um, what Bronco left in the cupboard beyond the transfers who left is just, night and day compared to what yeah i will agree with that and and i think that's probably for me one of the reasons why and i think your your points about the lessons of 2016 i mean i i was right there with you right like we talked i mean we 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 were very confident that bronco and his folks were going to be able to sort of it was going to be like just add water um what's what i also think is interesting here is that on the offensive side the scheme change is not that dramatic it's not like they're going from you do you see what i mean like there are yeah. definitely changes, um, but some kind of, of going it, from Steve Fairchild's 1997 right, offense exactly. to, to a real offense. Exactly. <laughs> and then on the flip side, like you can say like, oh, it's a new defense. Well, like hell, did anybody want to play the same one? Because it was terrible, right? Yeah. So it's almost like, and your point about the talent, you know, the guys who, who did what they were doing last year are, you know, the guys who did that, they're either still here or they were backups to the guys who were doing it. Um, I'm still convinced that, for whatever reason, a lot of those dudes just really never got a fair shot. You know, they, they didn't get a fair shake at it. Um, so on the defensive side, it's like the best thing that could happen to them is, is actually, you know, coaches who are, who are doing what it seems like these guys are 
I, I think for yeah. me, my blind spot with this team is it's not necessarily just the expectation that they'll score points um, or that the defense is going to be able to get stops. Cause I mean, most of these games I've got, I mean, you know, I've got teams scoring in the teens a lot, right? 13, 17, 17, 13, 13, 17, 19. Okay. My, I think for lack of a better description. And again, I, I don't want to bring up things that are, you know, sort of bad words, but complimentary football is probably the one indelible thing that I take from the Bronco era, right? That it's not just that you need to be good, right? That the pieces need to make sense together. And that's the thing, a thing to me at least that I think of as a, as a, as a benefit for this team. It could absolutely be out of whack in, in, in ways I'm not expecting. I, I don't think you're, you know, I'm not going to expect like Brendan Armstrong to go out there and all of a sudden not be good, Right. But I can totally see a scenario where the two the two sides are just they're not able to get sort of in sync. And that's probably the one blind spot for me. Yeah. I mean, I think when I when I looked at it, you know, when I first went through the schedule, you know, I was kind of joking 12 and 0 at the beginning. Um, but even 10 and 2, like that, you know, that sounds absurd. And it, it is. Like there's a you know, who knows? There's gonna be injuries you can't account for. Justin's right. Like, you know, if Brendan Armstrong gets injured. All, all bets are off. And I think um, you have to do these predictions without that part. Yeah, you do. And that, <laughs> Otherwise, what, I could just pick them to go two and ten and be like, yeah, be like I, Brendan I got Brendan's going to get hurt week seven. I mean, Brendan's never played a complete season as, as a starting quarterback. So, yeah, he's always missed time. So, look, it, if Jenny gets lucky, he doesn't get hurt at all. If they, you know, if he gets hurt, it's, you know, rich, you know, it's a game that they can win without him. Um, but when I look back at the team last year, like, you know, we remember. Yeah, think of the out of conference there, you know, they're, they're swapping BYU for ODU basically. Um, and you know, coastal Carolina, like the out of conference is easier. Um, but when you looked at the, their conference record last year, granted they won some squeaker games, you know, the Louisville comeback, Miami missing a field goal, but there wasn't a game they were out of really, you know, the Carolina game kind of got out of hand late, but that game was close. Um, the defense just couldn't make a stop. So, the offense shows it can it can win games. So if the defense can get better, and look, I get it. There's not a whole lot of pieces that are new um, outside of the defensive line guys. But we're also missing like 40% of the, the secondary is not the same that we saw last year. Um, so so there's room for improvement. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I do think, you know, if you want to be an optimist, there's reason, there's easy things to look. And the question I was going to, thought would be interesting to pose, like, Let's switch it. Let's say Bobby Haskins and Olu and Swoboda and Bissinger. Um, I think that's all of them. Don't transfer. You know, Glazer and Nelson still leave for the NFL, but you lose Brendan Armstrong. Like, what, I mean, how much would, would you rather be in that situation where Virginia is now? No. Well, yeah, I mean, so personally, I'd rather, I'd rather be in their situation now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No doubt. But, but I, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> Who, you'd I, have to tell me who the quarterback would be. I yeah, guess. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, who am I? Who it would have I, to be a know? transfer, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. And honestly, if they, with the wide receiver talent Virginia would have in that scenario, and assuming in the situation if Brennan were gone, that uh, that the wide receivers stayed. Yeah, you could get like a Keaton Slovis. Probably. You probably could have gotten a pretty good, uh, yeah. pretty good guy, especially yeah. with Tony with Tony Elliott's connections and sort of you know the. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure for Clemson's got someone sitting on the bench who would have come for the. Um, <laughs> yeah if he knew he was going to start. And then one more, I think is interesting. Let's say um, things don't transpire like they did. Um, we get all the same 
got the same scenario, um, except Bronco hires a new defensive coordinator and doesn't retire. I think I've thought about this a lot yeah. the last few weeks. Like, what would I think about this team if it was as it was, but with Bronco as the head coach? Um, and a new D- DC or the same DC? And a new DC. I mean, assuming yeah. that they made that change. But I, again, I like I said about Rudd's, I think he's a great defensive coordinator, but I, I don't think he's going to be able to like flip a switch and they're going to be good. Um, so, like, even like Dex, whoever. Um, comes in i i, I guess it, the the question i would have is in this scenario did all the offensive linemen leave or no i'm saying out? like brennan stay you know brennan stay is the offensive lineman stay maybe at least one but you know the bulk of them stay um my, my guess is ola would have left anyway based yeah on, based i would on say I like but i would say my, my thought say would be they, my thought would be like the same as what we're discussing now except i would be like the coach is under pressure to win games like, you know what I mean? Because, like because, gotta because be of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and it's like, okay, their schedule is easier. There's no, there's continuity of scheme on the offensive side. You have, you know, all your guys back. Um, you should go out and win eight games. Like Brad said at the top. Um, yeah. Eight or and eight. I think or that would have been the ceiling. Don't you? I mean, yeah. And I think also, the... I think you would still have, and I don't, I mean, it's 11 or not 11, but nine months now ago, but I think you would still have this like lingering, issue with what happened in the tech game like i i just oh, feel like yeah. that might have i think that might have seeped into the fan base in a oh, different yeah. way yeah I and, and i, I think I they would have probably it. had like i don't their recruiting class this year might be better than what tony has i don't know um or it could be very similar um but uh, but i don't think people really it's odd because i feel like the issues people have with that are more like they expected it to be a big improvement not that it's like because I think if Bronco had this class, people would be like, well, this is just what Bronco does. Like, you know, he goes out and develops guys. <laughs> like, um, well, I'm not going to have that discussion. Like, that, yeah, I that, mean, that's a different discussion for a different That's day, because but. people set unrealistic expectations, not looking at the roster or knowing, yeah. <laughs> knowing how far a lot, a lot of these recruits were. Um, yeah, and I think the coach also probably needs to adjust how he's doing things, and that's normal, right? I mean, for a first-year head coach. So, like, but I, I would say, like – I would, I'm probably more excited about, or I definitely am more excited about things now than I would be if like all things were the same, but Bronco was the coach and it's not a knock on Bronco. I just think we'd seen that already. Like we kind of yeah. know what to expect and it, like the taste in the mouth from the end of last season is kind of hard to overcome. And it was back to back 500 seasons. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I was like the first person to say it when he left, I was like, I think he might've kind of like got out while we get was good. Like yeah, before well, things yeah. turned on him. I mean, two things on that. You know, look, I like Bronco. I still, I still do. I think yeah, he came not, at a great time a, for Virginia. Yeah, and um, he did a good job here. Like overall, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But I mean, I think I've told the story on the podcast before. But you know, at the end of that drive against Tech, you know, Brandon, you know, my our tailgate buddy, since you know, since I've sat next to him for years, he's he's always even killed, right? Win or lose, he gets upset, but he doesn't say much. But he looked at me and said he lost the he lost these fans tonight. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the, right. in the in yeah. the in the stadium, it was hard to see people like getting over that, <laughs> like in the yeah. moment. And then having to watch tech runs, but yeah, I think if there's one thing looking back on it, I would say um, the offense was fun to watch. But I think you, even the even the most casual football fan is like when an offense that relies on that much passing and that much ex, you know explosive plays, it is impossible to have a defense <laughs> that is going to be consistent because they're on the field too much. Um, 
your offense is either going to have a three, you know, three and out drive, or they're going to score in two plays. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think the upside is better with a more traditional kind of college offense, like we're going to see. Um, but you, you're going to, you also, it's also an offense that people practice against more often. So you're going to have to be really good at it and you're going to have to have Jimmy's and Joe's, you know, um, because you're not scheming people, you know, think about if you're a defensive coordinator and you've been facing kind of this run option stuff, you know, the, the spread option kind of stuff we're going to see moving forward. You see that every week. You didn't see what Dr. Bob did every week. Um, that said, it's hard to have a defense that's good with it. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to kind of see where we're, see where we're headed. I will uh, put a bow on it with this. I, I think in a scenario where Broncos still the head coach, they had a new defensive coordinator, assuming then that they had uh, a defensive coordinator who had the, um, you know, the ability to, you know, had the, um, the leeway and all that fun stuff to, to actually implement his own system to potentially even hire a coach or two on his on that side of the ball. Um, I think if Broncos still there uh, and there's no, you know, sort of upheaval in that respect, I, I don't think the guys up front would have transferred. And frankly, I think I could have seen them talking Olu into staying um, as long as he had some sort of idea that the, there was going to be a running game. Um, and I think that, in the event that Bronco had made staff changes, I could see some dynamics of that staff changing, right? Um, you know, some of the some of the realities are just going to be what they are, right? Doctor Bob was going to sort of be who he is, right? Um, but I, I think you could see if if he was willing to to part ways with this coach or that coach uh, on the defensive side, well, what does that mean, right? And I, I think maybe you could see some some sort of ramifications, some some shockwaves, if you will. But ultimately, I think that the best thing in in a lot of ways for UVA for what happened to happen is that's the best. That's that like Brandon's point about like losing them, like that. Not just the call itself, but the defense of the call thereafter, and no sort of um you know no no mea culpa no no sort of hey look this was exactly the wrong call and I'm and I made it and it was a bad call and I shouldn't have made you know that kind of thing right none of that I I, I think it would have been really difficult especially off the heels of that for for that staff to continue to be in place regardless of whatever changes they made the level I mean they say that healing that, that winning heals all right um they would have had to basically go 10 and two for folks to really, and, and just beat the absolute crap out of tech at the end of the season in order for people to really put it behind them. And I don't think they even would have done it then. Um, I, I think in a lot of ways, what happened was probably the best thing for a lot of folks. And I understand that, that, you know, there's still these pockets of angst and we've talked a lot about that. Um, but the, but in the final analysis for me, if, if Bronco and staff had stayed, um, all of the problems that I think we've all sort of seen um, as they've been sort of unearthed, they would have gotten worse. Um, I, I don't think there's any way around that, right? There was a lot that needed to happen. I don't put it to you like this. Is there a new indoor facility on the way? Probably not. No, probably not. I'm not, excuse yeah, me, not indoor facility, uh, football operations center. You know, like, is there probably not, right? Um, 
you know, I think there is a scenario where Bronco hires, you know, Poindexter or whoever to be the defensive coordinator, gives them some actual latitude, and they make some changes, and they put, put some pretty good football teams out there. But but college sports is not just about the wins. It's about how the fans feel. And, man, it would have taken a whole lot of good success, like some serious wins and some serious success and probably some, you know, some some mea culpas at some point. You know, imagine if you got back to that tech game, right? At the in the next season, and you and all people would talk about that whole week. And what was Bronco going to do? Going to sit up there and just not talk about it, right? What's he going to do? He's going to be like, no, this is just another game. We didn't we didn't have one of the legitimately the worst play calls in the history of humanity. Like, no, he would have just sat up there and pretended like it didn't happen. And it I mean, he kind of did angry. do that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he would have kept doing that because that was you know that was the the die was cast, man. So I, I just think that, you know, I think Bronco and his folks, if they had still been here, man, is this a very different season um, on a variety of fronts. And I don't necessarily think many of them are good. So, all right, we are an hour and 40 some minutes in. So I think this is a good place to put a pin in it uh, for this week. Uh, I'm not sure what our record is for the preseason prediction podcast, but we are certainly in that neighborhood as of right now. So if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on all the uh, different uh, podcast apps of choice and um, follow slash subscribe um, so that way you don't have to worry about finding us again. If you found us through the um, pod but not have not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at castcorner.com. We have lots of stuff up there right now. Um, let's see. We got uh, Griff had a five takeaways on the end of camp. We had some basketball recruiting stuff. Had some stuff about the over-under for the number of wins this year. Um, Ferber had a really good story on Paris Jones. Uh, he's also got that uh, story with Jay Wolfolk, who gave, which gave me the chance to run that uh, iconic sort of Bo Jackson image. He got video up there, um, and also Griff had a um, caught up with Anthony Britton from uh, Lake Taylor as well. So anyway, lots of stuff uh, on the website and lots of stuff to come, um, so check that out. Uh, I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and of the show. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show and hanging with us for an hour and 45 minutes or so now and change. And, of course, I want to thank Dave for giving graciously their time. As always, I very much appreciate all they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.